Hello, and welcome to the James Sheets Podcast. This podcast features the sermons and preaching messages of James Sheets, who pastored throughout West Virginia for many years. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and leave a five-star review and share a memory of James with us. Let's listen as Pastor James Sheets begins his message. That theme in these three verses, take your burden to the Lord. Verse 5 of chapter 1. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, that giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. Our Father, as we look now in your word, at what you've given us through the pen of James, May your spirit open our hearts and our minds that we might absorb into the depths of our very soul the truth that you have given to us. We ask in Christ's name. Amen. Last week we dealt with the problem of falling into the problem of being tested by the Lord. And that's the That's the word that we use for temptation there in verse 2. And when he said, when you fall into many testings, that's what it means, when you fall into diverse temptations, diverse, different, many temptations, and the word temptations as used here means testing. So you can easily write there, when you fall into different or many or diverse temptations, testings, then we know that that is a point at which our faith is being put on the line. And the Lord is intending to find out what we're made out of. We don't like to be tested. We would rather that the Lord leave that out of his plan for our lives. We would prefer that he make our life a life of ease. That we always have a pillow under our head and and soft cushions to uh, sit upon and thick soles to walk upon that we don't feel the pebbles of life. That we can recline and enjoy the rest of our life with no problems, whatever. The Lord does not promise us that kind of life. He does not indicate that simply because we have become a Christian that he's going to take away from us all burdens. That we won't have difficulties. And some people expect that kind of thing out of becoming a Christian. And I've had people even in this community and even from this church indicate to me that they were surprised when after they became a Christian that they still had troubles. As if that was supposed to perform some miracle and we were to no longer have any problems because we've given our life to the Lord. Well, he does not indicate that anywhere to us. 
that we should escape burdens or trials. And they are going to come. And that's what we noticed in the first four verses. And then verse 5 picks up and, and gives us the indication then that because we are going to have these trials of life, then there is a need that we have, and that need is to be wise enough to know how to handle them when they come. And so he says, if you in fact lack wisdom, you don't know what to do with the trouble, with the burden, with the problem, with the trial. Then ask God to tell you what to do. Many of us, when, when our troubles come, will stand around and wring our hands, fuss and fret and stew and sputter. Anybody ever do those things? No, none of us ever did that, did we, Dolly? No, never. But this is the normal reaction of a human. But it is not a proper reaction of a Christian. Because there is no need for us to wring our hands and to fuss and fret and wonder what's going to take place tomorrow. Because we have a, a, a means of resolving the dilemmas that we are in and it's coming from the title that I've given the message tonight and I want to read a hymn that gives us this message take your burden to the Lord and leave it there <coughs> I'm sure that we could sing I didn't look to see if it's in our hymn book I found it in one of the hymn books in, uh, in my library called the modern hymnal. Listen, listen to some of this. I'll not bore you with all of it. If the world from you withhold of its silver and its gold, well, a lot of us could fit ourselves into that particular if. We don't have of the, the means of this world as we would like to have. And you have to get along with eager fare. Just remember... In his word, how he feeds the little bird. Take your burden to the Lord and leave it there. So the message is very clear, I think, that if, if that is the burden that we have, the problem that we're facing, that we do not have sufficient of this world's good to take care of our desires and our needs, then it is not for us to, to again, wring our hands and fuss and fret. Ours is simply to take it to the Lord and leave it there because he is aware of all these things. Second verse. If your body suffers pain and your health you can't regain and many of us are in that category. I would like to be able to throw away the pills that I take and many of you would like as well. I would dearly love to not have to carry in my pocket these nitroglycerin that I've carried now for quite a long time, just in case. And you know, I've, I've carried those so many times that I feel like I'm not dressed if I don't have that little bottle in my pocket. And it almost scares me. There's times that I turn around going back home just to pick up that little bottle. And so if 
Our body suffers pain and our health we can't regain. And your soul is almost sinking in despair. Jesus knows the pain you feel. He can save and he can heal. Take your burden to the Lord. Leave it there. Verse 3. When your enemies assail and your heart begins to fail. Any of us ever been in that category? Don't forget that God in heaven answers prayer. He will make a way for you and will lead you safely through. Take your burden to the Lord. Leave it there. Verse 4. And when your youthful days are gone, and old age is stealing on, well, I don't have to worry about that for another year or two, so you're going to have to worry about that a little bit. Your youthful days are gone, and old age is stealing on. And your body bends beneath the weight of care. I feel like that on some mornings. This morning I felt that way. He will never leave you there. He'll go with you to the end. Take your burden to the Lord and leave it there. The problem is that we don't seemingly have the wisdom to do what that hymn invites us to do. And that is to quit worrying about ourselves. Simply take the burdens, the problems, the difficulties, the trials, and lay them down at Jesus' feet. He offers us that opportunity and walk off and leave them there and not worry about them anymore. Now the difficulty is we're not wise enough to achieve that. And the Lord knows it. And that's what James says in verse 5. If you lack enough wisdom to do what we've been talking about, then let him ask God. What should we ask God? When we pray, we should, should we ask him for an easy life? Should we ask him that we have no more troubles? Paul tried that. He had something wrong with him that I think was blindness or partial blindness from his difficulties on the road to Damascus when he was struck blind. I think from that point on, he never did regain his eyesight. And there are indications throughout his writings that that possibly is true, although I can't prove it and nobody can, but there are some good indications that probably his difficulty was poor eyesight which the Lord would not take away from him, though Paul prayed for it earnestly and fervently. He wouldn't do it. It was necessary that Paul be continually reminded, and this is my opinion, be reminded that he persecuted the church and consequently Christ throughout his early life. And he was to never forget that. He had been saved out of that miserable situation. What the Lord did, however, with Paul was say no, but with a qualification. The Lord said to Paul, no, I will not take away your infirmity. But he did add that I will give you enough grace to be sufficient. Now that is the tremendous blessing of God. It will be true that all of us will go through 
all of the trials of not having perhaps enough of this world's goods, of having body pain, of having uh, enemies, and of reaching old age. And the Lord is not going to take necessarily those things away from us. What he will do is give us sufficient self, his self, to us to get us through it. And that's more important, much more important than having an easy life. So I would suggest that we should not ask for less burden. We ought to be wise enough to ask for more strength. And I think there's a difference in asking for less burden than in asking for more strength. And so we ought to pray to God for wisdom in knowing how to handle the problem. Not God, please take away from me the problem, but rather God, show me how to deal with the problem. How to handle it, what to do with it. We should pray, show me the way. Or teach me what to say. Help me understand how to handle the situation. Now one of the things that parents make a mistake in doing, I did it when our kids were little, I suppose, and I'm sure you have all done it. And that is we have a tendency to want to do for our kids. If they fall down, we rush to pick them up. Any of you ever do that? There's a mother's tendency when, when the baby falls down is to rush and grab that baby up and see what's wrong with it. There are times a baby needs to get up off the ground itself to teach it the capability of handling the problems of life. As long as we carry our children on a pillow, they will never learn to walk. Cricket and I know a particularly of a person who was kept in his baby bed and long past the time that he ought to have been out walking and had difficulty learning to walk. That was probably through neglect. But many of us have a problem in wanting to do more for our kids than we ought to do. There comes a time when we have to say, now you're on your own. I'm not going to bail you out. You falter, you pay. I think of one person that I counsel with from time to time who complained to me that her son throws his money away and spurges and comes to her and asks to borrow $500 that he can buy an old rattle trap. I said, well, what are you going to do? Are you going to give him the money? And she said, oh, sir, I'm not going to give him the money. The last time I talked to her, she said, well, he didn't have any transportation, and so I bought him a car. I said to her, you have made a big mistake. You're teaching that child to depend totally on you. Now, God won't make this mistake. He knows in his wisdom that for our own benefit, we're going to have to take some of the knocks of life, particularly when we make them for ourselves, in order to teach us what to do and how to go. What he wants us to do is ask him for wisdom to handle the situation. He's not going to rush out and pick us up. 
when we have made our mistakes. He's going to, to give us the wisdom to handle it if we will ask him. There's a lot of talk about being liberal or conservative. If you had to describe God as a liberal or God as a conservative, which would you make him? I'm sure in this congregation we would have a difference of opinion if God is liberal or God is conservative. Because we do not have a united opinion as to what liberal means or conservative means. But if you go to the dictionary, Webster's Dictionary, and start looking at the word, you may find something like this. Liberal means generous, tolerant, and not bound by tradition. In those terms, I hope I am a liberal because I believe God is. He's generous, he's tolerant, and he's not bound by the things that we call tradition. The term conservative means having a tendency to maintain existing views. Very cautious. And there are some good points about that as well. Tendency to maintain existing views. I'm sure we could say God is that because he does not change. But the difference is we do not have God's wisdom to know perfection. Therefore, it is necessary for us to, to give up at times some of our existing viewpoints to look at something differently. And we will do that when God's wisdom has been given to us and we can see the full and complete picture. God is one that does not criticize nor chide at all times. He's not going to say to you and to me, shame on you for what you did. Man has a tendency to criticize. We criticize each other terribly. The woman that was found in adultery, and they brought her to Jesus on one occasion. And the Pharisee said to her, we found this woman in the act of adultery, and our law says she ought to be stoned. They didn't bring the man, only the woman. The law said both should be stoned. But they had already compromised in their wisdom the law, and only one was to be stoned. And they wanted to know, what, should, what would you say? And that's when Jesus wrote in the, on the ground with his finger, and we don't know what he wrote. And they dropped their stones and left. And Jesus said to the woman, where are your accusers? And she lifted up her head, which was evidently was bowed, waiting for the stones to fall. And she looked around and they were all gone. And she said, I don't have any accusers. And Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. God and the Lord Jesus, our Savior, are people who are loving. And we need to demonstrate that same kind of attitude. If we have God's wisdom, we will not criticize and chide, but we will say things like Jesus said. We're not condemning you. We're here to help you. And that's wisdom. On one occasion, the disciples of the Lord asked him to teach them how to pray. I think sometimes we do not know how to pray. It's as if our prayers are made into shopping lists and we go down the whole list, Lord, we want you to do this and we want you to do this and we want you to do this 
and on and on it goes. When our prayer ought to probably be for inner strength that we might be able to accomplish these things. Not asking the Lord to perform them, but asking the Lord to work through us. Do we want answers to life's problems? Then all we have to do is ask God for enough wisdom to resolve these issues. But he says in verse 6, that when we start asking, that we're going to have to ask in faith. And notice, he says, nothing wavering. Here comes the problem for you and for me. We pray, and our attitude is, well, I don't know if it'll happen or not. I don't know. We'll just have to wait and see. Then why did we pray if we don't know? If we pray in God's will, our prayer is requesting that which is within God's will, then why is there any question? All of you have watched boxing on television. One of the things that I've noticed that when one of the boxers finally lands a good blow the knees of his opponent begins to buckle. And that guy who landed the good blow recognizes the signs of weakening. And he goes in for the kill. The adrenaline begins to flow in that man's body and he throws punches as hard as he can because he knows his opponent is about ready to go down and he wants to put him finally onto the mat. He sees the sign of weakness coming through. He starts wavering. And he goes for the kill. When you and I start wavering in our prayer life, Satan goes for the kill. He's going to throw at us punches that we can't withstand because we have weakened. Let me tell you some of the signs of weakening. Skipping church. Failing to spend time in Bible reading and prayer. Gossiping. Telling stories that are not true or only hearsay. Enjoying somebody else's discomfort. When Satan sees these and many other things happening, then he's ready to rush in to really lower the boom because we have dropped our guard and we're vulnerable. Faith takes the offensive. Faith depends upon God for our strength and we know, as Paul said, that I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. And there is nothing that we cannot achieve if we exert the power that God has made available to us. But, he says, there is to be no wavering for a person that waves, that weaves, that is 
is fickle, that moves back and forth, that doesn't stand firm. You know those people that won't look you in the eye, don't trust them. When you're talking to somebody and they won't look you in the eye, there's something fishy going on. And when they tell you something, you probably better question it if they're looking down at the floor and saying, and whatever they're going to say. They're beginning to waver. He says, nothing wavering. For a, wa a person who waves is just like the sea. He's going to be moved with the wind. And verse 7 is very, very important. Let not that man, that is the wavering man, the person who is weak, the person who is fickle, the person who binge with every flow of, uh, of the community. When somebody says something and feelings get hurt and on and on it goes, with the wavering, that person is not going to receive what he asks for in verse 7. Notice it. Let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. I didn't say it. The scripture says it. The waving person cannot expect his prayers to be answered. He's not going to get God's wisdom because he won't use it properly. Now, do you want an answer to your problems? Let me give you a formula how to solve your problems. Number one, you're going to want, you've got to want a solution to your problem or trial. You want a solution to it? If you want a solution, there's a way to get a solution. The first thing to do is ask God for wisdom. <clears throat> Secondly, to know without assurance that you're going to get that wisdom because you've asked for it and you're not going to wave. And then thirdly, when God tells you what to do, do it. Do it. Now there's where we fall short oft times. We ask God for direction. God answers. And then we say, well, that's not the answer I wanted. And we want to do something else. How to solve life's problems has a formula right there. And it means that we take our burdens, our trials, our difficulties to the Lord. We leave them there, and we ask Him for wisdom in knowing how to handle them. Let's pray. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you like what you hear, hit the subscribe button. You'll receive automatic notifications and downloads when a new message is added to the podcast. Also, please leave a five-star review and take the opportunity to share stories, memories, and appreciation for James Sheets and how God used him to impact your life. If you'd like to know why and how this podcast got started, check out our first episode. Lastly, if you want to donate to help offset the cost of operating this podcast, you'll find a link to our PayPal account in the podcast description and email us at james.sheets.podcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening and remember to trust in God for today and for all of your tomorrows.